It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. Always ways to interact with the show on today's show. We're going to dive into the NBA considering an all-star game this season. Also, should the NBA continue this baseball-style schedule? Where the Thunder rank nationally on power rankings? We're going to talk about the Thunder Breakfast Club. We're going to preview the Suns game and so much more on today's show. A jam-packed Locked On Thunder. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We do this every single day. Let's start with the all-star game and... When the season first started, the NBA immediately announced that there would be no All-Star game, that they'd still take the All-Star break and give players a week off, but the game itself and all the festivities around the game would be canceled. But yesterday, there was a report from ESPN that now the NBA is considering hosting an All-Star game. It would be only the game. It would take place in Atlanta, which of course is the home of TNT who would broadcast the All-Star game if there was to be one. I'm not really sure why that matters. I guess because they could go to the game or maybe have like Shaq and Ernie and those guys go from their studio show and have the studio show inside like a concourse far away from the players and at a safe distance in the arena. I'm not sure why it would matter where TNT is located in proximity to the All-Star game. But hey, you know what? That's what was reported, so I'm going to pass that along here. But there are so many branches to go off of about the NBA considering this. And the first thing to know is that if the players agree to it, you know, the PA and the and the actual NBA agree to do this, then who's to say they're in the wrong? We can have opinions about it, but acting as though this is factually the wrong decision to make, I think is subjective to your opinion. And they, being the NBA and PA, have way more knowledge of what's happening than we do sitting here talking about the NBA. So if they agree to it, then you just got to support whatever they whatever they decide. Now, for the opinion aspect of it, obviously the point here is to generate money. And I love the All-Star Game. I love watching the All-Star Game. I love the All-Star Weekend. It is one of my favorite sport weekends of the year. Literally up there with the Super Bowl and other things like that. I love it that much. But the NBA confirmed yesterday that no matter if they do a game or not, so if they play the game, great. If not, so be it. They're still going to announce the All-Star teams. 
and they'll still conduct the voting for the All-Star Games. And while it would suck for the first-time All-Stars, let's say Shea makes it in, it would suck for him to make his first All-Star Game in a COVID year and not get to play in an All-Star Game itself because there's no guarantee that guys like that will ever make it back to an All-Star Game. Now, we can imagine Shea himself will make it back, but there's other players who have been to just a one-off All-Star Game here and there, and they would have missed their year to fully partake in that. But that's what this season is all about. It's the same way for the players who won a championship in the bubble. They obviously missed out on on the normal things you get to go through after winning a championship. You know, the the late night circuits, the parades, all that good stuff. That's kind of par, par for the course now. So if you're still going to do the All-Star game and you're still going to if you're still going to do the All-Star voting, I should say, and you're still going to name the All-Star teams, then I think that that could suffice for this year alone. Because to me, on the outside looking in, there's just so many obstacles to clear before you get to the point of playing the game that I wonder if it would be worth it. Like, how would you even social distance and how would you even break off each player? Because you would imagine that every team or thereabout, every team will have at least one participant. So now you have this conglomerate of players in Atlanta congregating and crossing paths with players from each team in the league for the most part. You have coaching staffs in there for each conference congregating with players. And if there's one positive test, which you hope that there would not be, but if there is, which is something you have to prepare for, what does that do? Does that shut down an entire conference? Does that just mean that you can't have your all-star for 10 games, but everyone else go back to work in five days? If you do not make the trip for the all-star game, what does COVID do to the all-star game. And on that point, how many veteran all-stars will opt in? Now, maybe it's going to be in the agreement, right? If they do agree to a game, look guys, if we're going to agree to this and we're going to do this, we need all hands on deck because it's about making money and people want to watch LeBron James. People want to watch these, these veteran stars. So if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Maybe that's the agreement. But I wonder if guys like LeBron, and I'm just saying him as an example because he has the accomplishments, right? This is old news for him going to the All-Star game. This is nothing special for LeBron anymore or nothing unique, right? Every All-Star game will be special because it just adds to your total of accomplishments. But the actual festivity is nothing is nothing new for him. He's been there, done that. So would a player like him with his accomplishments rather spend that time at home with their family, hanging out for five days, or making yet another trip, this time going from L.A. to Atlanta, isolating and playing one game and going back home and basically cutting out a couple of days of your off period of your of your break for one exhibition game in a normal year. That's not so bad because you do get the you do get the experience of, OK, we're mixing, we're mingling with celebrities and other all stars and having parties. There's networking, there's fun, there's marketing. But in this year, you'd literally be flying in playing the game, going home, and it just takes away from the time off that you have. For me, this is just my impression again, but for me, I interpreted the start of this season as the all-star break with no all-star game being a reward for these players. Like, you know what, guys? I know we're asking you to restart super early. You guys want the Martin Luther King Day start. We want the Christmas Day start. We're going to give you an entire week off to, to just decompress and reset your bodies, reset mentally, and just be with your family for a week. And then we'll pick back up in the second half. But you guys deserve a week break to kind of reset everything. And now you're asking them to go ahead and go play an All-Star game during the All-Star break and making this more routine and more like the previous seasons. 
And look, for this to have to happen, the players have to sign off on it. So therefore, I'm totally fine with it if the players sign off on it. But I would counter with, from a grand scheme of things, going going far out of this but besides the players in the league, because again, if they agree to it, who am I to say that it was a wrong decision? I wonder if there's more valuable use of this week, right? If there's something more valuable you can do than an exhibition game. Now, would the Thunder Rockets being made up on that week generate more money or even close to as much money as an all-star game being played that week? No, it would not. But would it be more efficient? Because I understand the plan right now is to go ahead and build those games into the second half of the season for the Thunder rescheduling the Rockets game, the Sixers game. But if we do that, you can still imagine there will be cancellations in the second half of this year. And at that point, you're running out of days. So if we can make up as many days as possible leading into the second half and have as little holdover from the first half to the second half as possible, that gives you a better chance to complete a full 72-game season. And so would that be worth more, getting everybody to play 72 or close to it, would that be worth more than playing an exhibition game? And maybe it wouldn't. I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of the financial uh, decision-making for the NBA, but I just think that maybe there's a more efficient use of this time. There are so many questions to be asked for. I do wonder legitimately if stars will want to do this. I also wonder where the game itself goes, because we've seen the last couple of years, especially last year, these games got really competitive. These games got really intense, especially at the fourth quarter and later. The NBA had just started to make headway on the narrative of, it doesn't matter. Nobody plays defense. Nobody cares. Nobody tries. While the scoring is insanely high still these last couple of years, there was a noticeable improvement in intensity for each game. And so does that continue in this COVID year, or do you take a step back in that regard? It is incredibly fascinating to see what happens with this development. I absolutely love the All-Star game, and I would gladly sit down and watch it if they can agree to have an All-Star game this year. I still want to touch on the NBA possibly keeping this baseball-style scheduling in the future, and also, where do the Thunder rank in power rankings on the national stage? We're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Breakfast Club and preview the Suns game. All coming up on the Locked On Thunder podcast, but I do want to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is upon us. It's Bucks. It's Chiefs. You can bet on the game. You can bet on prop bets. You can bet on who will win NFL awards. All that fun stuff at betonline.ag. You can also bet on any college basketball game, any NBA game, NBA prop bets, and so much more. BetOnline.ag is the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Personally, I've went ahead and jumped all over Chiefs minus three and a half of the Super Bowl. I think that Kansas City is going to dominate that football game and they'll win back-to-back Super Bowl titles. I'm also betting on every single Thunder game this year. And betonline.ag is making that simple and easy for me to do. So join me in betting. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are back on Locked on Thunder, and I want to tell you guys about Locked on Today. It is a fantastic new podcast. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowitz hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with help from our local experts. Start your day with all the sport news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcast from. Personally, I always listen to it while I'm getting ready. This week has been so helpful having locked on today, especially today getting some college basketball news. I love college hoops, but I just don't have time for it that often because the Thunder are playing every single night. And then I've got my responsibilities at my university covering their college basketball team. So there's just so much to do. And Locked On Today has me covered to help me keep up with other sports as we all get stuck in the weeds of the NBA throughout the regular season. So check them out. Seriously, it's a great podcast locked on today, wherever you find your podcast from. So the NBA is doing something very interesting with their scheduling. This year to cut down on travel, they've started to have baseball style series. And so the Thunder just had one. Uh, they played the Clippers on Friday and then they played them again on Sunday. Early next week, they play the Rockets back to back with a day in between. This, of course, is happening around the league as well. And I think that it's creating intense games and very fun games like the the Suns Nuggets baseball style series was awesome. I think even with the Thunder, you saw, even though they lost both games to the Clippers, you saw the Thunder be able to prepare more for LA and focus more in LA than just playing them on a one-off night in January, a one-off night in February, a one-off night in March. You saw them get to take their time with the preparation and they made some key adjustments from game one to game two and it resulted in the Thunder being more competitive on Sunday than they were on Friday. The Cavs and Nets played a good series as well with Colin Sexton taking it to the Brooklyn Nets. I think that this should be something that stays around and sticks around with the NBA. Have these teams play two times in three nights, and it can cut down on travel. It can help players out, but also it helps the enjoyment of these games because you can start to have these weird rivalries and like just these weird chippiness games out of nowhere in what would otherwise be a kind of a sleepy Tuesday night in January. And I think that even just seeing how hard fought those Nugget Sun games were a week ago, it really just gets you excited for the postseason. I want to see those teams meet again whenever it's a seven-game series. So I really, really like the addition of, of this baseball kind of style scheduling. I want to take a look at where the Thunder come in on power rankings nationally. So after a rough weekend where they got blown out by the Nuggets, they got blown out by the Clippers, and then they lost again to the Clippers, the Athletic, and Zach Harper moved the Thunder down all the way down to 27. ESPN has them at 25. Sports Illustrated has them at 26. The NBA.com has them at 24. Bleacher Report at 23. CBS at 24. I personally, in my power rankings, have them at 26. And then the average of all these rankings is 25. And I think that 25 is a good spot for them. They're a competitive team. They're a fun team. I look forward to watching them every single night. And so the ball can bounce their way as it did in Portland 
and the shots can fall on a given night, and you can get a big win over a playoff-caliber team. But the offense also has a lot of pieces that can sweater, and you can have these blowout losses as you have against New Orleans, L.A., Denver. And then it usually levels out somewhere with a close loss, like against Utah, or a close win, like against Chicago, or Charlotte, or even last night against Portland. So that's kind of where they're at. I mean, they're about 25, and they're going to win some games, they're going to lose some games. I still think they lose more games than they win this year, but they have constructed this roster in a way that if if these young players continue to take a step and even make improvements within the year and the ball bounces their way, they're going to be competitive in each and every game. Like They're just not going to get blown out. I've said that time and time again. I've said that since the preseason, that they are going to be a fun team to watch, a competitive team that can win games, and they're doing that. They're doing exactly what I predicted. But, I mean, they're a loss away from jumping to fifth on Tangathon.com. So it's still early on this year, but this is about where I expect them to be all year long, 26, 25, 27, fluctuating from the mid to late 20s. So the Thunder also had an interesting comment yesterday in the uh, in the post-game press conferences. Isaiah Roby mentioned that the bench unit with Isaiah Roby, Kenrich Williams, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, Josh Hall, and Moses Brown – call themselves the Breakfast Club. I'll be the first to admit I have not seen the Breakfast Club. I don't particularly know what it's about. I think that it's about like high schoolers that become friends out of nowhere. Like it's old Hardy story about how, oh, you would have never expected all these group of kids to end up liking each other from all different backgrounds. It's something like that, I'm sure. And then they just bond over breakfast or something. I don't know. But I've never seen the movie. I find it very hard to believe, by the way, that every single player in this Breakfast Club for the Thunder have seen the movie, which I think that they should correct on the next road trip because there's nothing else to do. And I think that to use this name, you should at least have seen the movie. But maybe they all have. I just find that very, very hard to believe. They mention it comes from the fact that these players were all out of the rotation. To start the year, none of these guys were a part of the group that got playing time. Until the first back-to-back where George Hill and Al Horford rest, uh, Roby and Jackson were not in the rotation at all. And then Roby earned a spot as a mainstay in the rotation prior to the birth of Al Horford's uh, child and has since taken the starting spot for, for the time being because of the extended absence of Al Horford. But still, even with Al Horford coming back eventually, uh, Isaiah Roby will still be a part of the rotation. Kenny Hustle has earned a spot there. Justin Jackson uh, has done well these last couple of games as they've been shorthanded, especially against Portland. Uh, but Darius Miller still in the rotation. Josh Hall was getting there before the uh, health and safety protocols. And then Moses Brown has gotten some spot minutes here and there on the two-way contract. But none of these guys started the year as getting valuable playing time. And so instead of sitting around and pouting or instead of just continuing to plug away in practice, they took it upon themselves to go have three-on-three games and and keep themselves ready, keeping themselves ready to go for whenever their numbers got called and helping each other grow as players. That way, Roby can be prepared, or Justin Jackson or Kenny Hustle can be prepared whenever they get their opportunity. And the same thing goes for whenever Miller or Hall or Brown get their opportunity as well. And I think that this ties back into what we talked about yesterday. Yesterday, I mentioned that you know, Justin Jackson's professionalism has to be praised because while he's not going to steal the headlines, he's not going to have great box scores, he's not going to be a long-lasting player for this organization, the fact that he's able to compartmentalize all of that and understand he will not get minutes every single night, but will give you quality, productive, solid minutes whenever he's asked to, professional 
minutes when he's asked to is a big deal. And that's how you stay ready by, by putting in this extra work, by going to practice way early on playing an entire three on three scrimmage, which is very intense and very competitive because you have to think that these guys are all frustrated. I don't care what anyone says about them. Everyone at that level, everyone that makes an NBA roster feels that they should be on the NBA floor when the games start. And so whenever you don't get that way, you have to get frustrated about your lack of minutes and just have to take that out somewhere in a competitive environment. And they did so in these three-on-three scrimmages. So they were putting in a ton of work and a ton of exhaustive work before practice even started. And still, Mark was able to praise them throughout the actual practice periods after each and every one of them. So they put in the work to, to be here and they put in the work to earn these minutes and they put in the work to be a mainstay and for that to happen is a tribute to the professionalism of each and every person on this roster especially at the bottom of the roster because you you're on a team that people are are saying and writing off as a rebuilding team you're not getting minutes anyway on this rebuilding team that can really start to discourage somebody and that can really start to rub people the wrong way or or allow them to kind of slip into bad habits or, or get discouraged from even putting forth a ton of effort, but not these guys. These guys did everything possible to get on the floor. And when each and every one of them has so far, they've all stood up to that challenge. Because of this breakfast club group, only Roby, Williams, and Jackson have gotten legitimate chances in this rotation. Jackson has done his job. Kenny Hustle has played his role. And Isaiah Roby has played his way into the future of this organization. They've all done what is expected of them and then some this season. And I'm sure that when Hall, Brown, and Miller get their chance, they're going to play their role as well because they're clearly prepared and they're clearly ready for that opportunity. You should be ready to head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 20% off your next order. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. With 100% real chocolate on the outside, it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Trust me, folks, this is a protein bar, but it does, in fact, taste like a candy bar. It's just that good. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in... A delicious treat. Bill Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for the keto diet. So go to BuiltBar.com and order a box today. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream Built Bar. You can use them pre-workout. You can use them post-workout. You can even use them as a meal replacement. They're that filling in my opinion. So go on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off that next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on Locked On Thunder. It's hard to believe it's been a year since we tragically lost Kobe Bryant. On the Rejecting the Screen podcast, hosts Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov are honoring Kobe's life and career with a two-part special this week, hearing stories you haven't heard anywhere else about Kobe from teammates, opponents, coaches, and journalists. 
Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen and listen this week to celebrate the life of one of the NBA's all-time stars. Seriously, you will not want to miss this two-part special about Kobe. And in fact, I'm going to play you an excerpt of it right now to just let you know what you're in store for. It's, It's truly special. This is Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast. It's unfathomable to think that a year has passed since that you'll never forget where you were moment when we all found out Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others died tragically in a helicopter crash. Everyone associated with the NBA has a Kobe story because he meant so much to so many of us. Our way to honor Kobe was to compile some of our favorite stories from interviews my co-host Noah Kozlov and I conducted with teammates, opponents, coaches, and writers who had something to say about the man who famously wore number 8 and number 24. We put together all of those stories, many of which you've never heard before, on a two-part podcast on Rejecting the Screen, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're about to play an excerpt from Part 1, which drops on Tuesday, January 26th, with Part 2 coming on January 28th. Subscribe to the pod today so you can listen to both episodes as soon as they're released. We pick up the story as Kobe was ranked as the top prep player in the nation, and his status as a local legend was exploding. There were even rumors of the Lower Marion High School prodigy practicing with the Sixers and dominating the Sixers star wing Jerry Stackhouse in games of one-on-one. Rex Walters was on the Sixers in 96 and told us how he remembered it. Kobe did come to practices or he would come afterwards and come work out at St. Joe's because me not knowing who Kobe was, like once again, I, I didn't follow high school basketball. I was an NBA player. I wasn't into that. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm leaving to go. Uh, home. I'm, I'm kind of straightening it up in the locker room and, and Kobe sure enough walks in. And I'm like, just making conversation with this kid. I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, what you doing here? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. And I'm like, Oh, you're a pretty good player. Like this guy had to be looking at me like, what, what are you some kind of idiot or something? Cause then, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, what schools you're looking at? He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Kansas. I'm talking to Carolina. He's like, but there's one other thing I'm thinking about. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I was like, well, Hey, you know, Dean Smith was a great coach from Michael Jordan. You know, you should think about Carolina. Obviously, Coach Williams is my coach, great coach. You should think about those schools trying to trying to help out my guy. Uh, you know, next next thing you know, next preseason game, this guy's freaking like yelling over to his point guard, Nick Van Exel, like, hey, you know, I'm guarding. I'm like, I got a mouse over here. I got a mouse. I'm like, man, that's, that's a little disrespectful. I tried to help you, my man, and, and, and you're calling mouse in the house on me. So, obviously, he had to be thinking to himself, what is this guy talking about? So back to Kobe as the nation's top high school player and those rumors we are hearing of Kobe regularly beating Stackhouse one-on-one. We talked to Jeff Perlman, who wrote the incredible book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Laker dynasty. He said that story was all fabricated. It's crap. Like, it's actually crap. It's just total BS. And um, it's funny because I basically reached out to because you hear all these stories, right? You hear all these stories about Kobe and he's, he's with the Sixers and he's lighting them up and blah, blah, blah. And he was definitely a, a great player and definitely showed his skills. And the guys were like, yeah, this guy's going to be something. But um, I reached out to Stackhouse via Twitter. I profiled Stackhouse for the Wall Street Journal years ago. And I just reached out to him. Hmm. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he wrote like, <laughs> I'm sure like you, you, this is the first thing I think of when people say we're, we're so-and-so regret having spoken about Kobe. Like he basically said, I've never heard Kobe say they were true, but I've also never heard him say they were false. So F him. Um, <laughs> and like, 
the thing that I, I think is really cool about Kobe and the, uh, and the Sixers workouts, he did not dominate Jerry Stackhouse, pure BS, but he took it to those guys. Um, imagine being, I remember I ran college, I ran uh, cross country at University of Delaware. And I remember my first year freshman, freshman year, I went out to run with the rest of the team. And they were all seniors, and these guys were like all state and all county and all these great runners. And I was terrified. Like, I was absolutely terrified. I just wanted to hang with them. I was terrified. I was scared. I was just praying I'd be able to do it. This guy's running with the Philadelphia 76ers as a <laughs> high school kid and like holding his own and doing it. Like, that's insane. And then the other thing, when he was in high school, that I really like is he would work out. I got to remember the specifics. He would, I'm going to actually reread the book before it comes out. So, I, you know. Um, which is sad that you have to do, but you do have to do is he, um, he would work out and he drove from one workout to another workout place in the summer and made sure the heat in his car would be at full blast as he was driving just to build up his endurance. So like, I think he worked out at a track. It was like a 90 degree day outside in Philly, very humid, hot, gets in the car, blasts the heat all the way, drives to the other workout. Like he did little things like that that were just absolutely insane all the time it's 1996 and you're kobe bryant you have an unparalleled level of self-confidence you've proven to yourself that you can run with the sixers and just a year prior you watched as another high schooler kevin garnett got selected fifth overall in the 95 draft so what does kobe do he becomes the first guard ever to skip college and enter the draft and by the way he was just 17 at the time, 17 years old. Kobe, of course, gets selected 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, who immediately trade him to the Lakers for Vladi. Coming into that draft, everyone expected him to end up in L.A., and we talked to a couple of people on the pod who were with teams in that year's lottery. First up, former Vancouver Grizzlies coach and GM Stu Jackson. The Grizzlies had the number three pick and ended up taking Sharif Abdul-Rahim, but we straight up asked Stu, why didn't the Grizz take Kobe Bryant? You know, he, he was a high school player. We were a very young franchise. And, you know, uh, I, I think to draft a high school player at that point in our development as a franchise would have really uh, been going out on a limb, not having this player proven himself against, you know, a higher level of competition. Although I will tell you, you know, Kobe was extremely talented. But the other aspect of Kobe was he was not going to any franchise other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he got drafted by a different franchise, but that quickly turned around and he mm -hmm. ended up in Los Angeles. And everyone in the draft knew that at that point. So we didn't think that was an option for Kobe Bryant coming to a new country or to, to Vancouver uh, to play basketball. So he was sort of off the board. Leaving the country to play might not have been in Kobe's plans, but would he have played for the Dallas Mavericks, who had the ninth overall pick? Remember at the time, the Mavs had Jason Kidd running the point, and later in their careers, Kobe tried desperately to get the Lakers to trade for Kidd. Well, former Nets head coach Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in 96, and he told us that, he thinks they had a shot at getting the high school sensation to come to Dallas. Here's the best story of all, and a true story as well. I was an assistant coach with Jim Clemens and also uh, 
uh, at the Dallas <laughs> Mavs, we're in the draft, and I asked, I asked the people who, you know, run the draft, I mean, all our uh, scouts, I said, who's the best guy in the draft? They said, Kobe Bryant. He's a high school kid, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. We think he's going to be the best. And they didn't know whether at that particular time they were going to break up three J's, okay? So I made a comment to them. I said, why don't we bring him in and try him out? I know that the word was out there that he only wanted to go to L.A. I said, but I think he would want to play with Jason and Jimmy if you all think that he's going to be the best player in the draft. We were afraid to do that. We ended up drafting Samaki Walker. I, I'll never forget, I was running around all over, you know, working out Eric Dampier and some other players. And, you know, but I said, man, that's what we should have done. I sat there, even those five minutes before we drafted, I said, we should draft this kid. Why were they afraid to even, not even to bring him in? Because the word had gotten out there that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to work out for other teams mm-hmm. and things like that. I said, I think he would come. I think he would come and at least give us a, you know, a look-see. I really do. You can hear the rest of our Kobe Stories special on Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to the podcast today and hear part one on Tuesday, January 26th and part two on January 28th. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to go check out that podcast. It's it's truly awesome. I cannot recommend it enough. It truly is hard to believe that it's been a year since that tragic accident. I remember going to the first Thunder game after the passing of Kobe and just how surreal it was and still just how hard to believe it is uh, that Kobe is no longer with us. Uh, It's just so, so strange, but I did want to quickly uh, preview the game tonight against the Phoenix Suns. In all likelihood, Ty Jerome, Al Horford, Josh Hall are going to be all out. We know for sure Josh Hall will be out. Uh, There is no reason to believe right now that either Jerome nor Horford will rejoin this team for the last game of the road trip. You would expect if they're going to come back anytime soon, it won't be until uh, the Thunder return home. That is not confirmed at the time of recording this, and so whenever it is confirmed, I will tweet it out, as I always do, over at Rylan underscore Styles on Twitter, at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. George Hill is day-to-day. I'd remind you that in the first back-to-back, he also had an injury on the injury report with neck spasms. He has an injury this time on the injury report uh, on the back-to-back against Portland with the thumb injury. I would expect him back, but again, he's day-to-day and apparently had trouble gripping the basketball, which is a big deal. Uh, So we'll see what happens with George Hill coming up tonight against Phoenix. What to watch for? SGA versus CP3. I think that there's going to be a special moment between those two guys that you're going to want to see uh, in this game. You can watch for uh, Darius Baisley if he can build on that offensive game he had against Portland. I'm also going to continue to watch Poku because he looked way more comfortable against Portland than he has at any point in this NBA season. And I don't want to start putting him under the microscope yet. I do think that this year, nothing should be held against him. And even next year, to an extent, nothing should be held against him in terms of his development. But he did look way more comfortable. So could that be the start of him turning the corner and getting even better right before our eyes? I want to just watch how he is against Phoenix. And then Lou Dort guarding De- uh, Devin Booker. It is always fun to watch Lou Dort 
absolutely shut down uh, opposition uh, superstars and all-stars and all that good stuff. There is no line as of now on the game, but I will tweet out the bet of the game so you can keep up with that. Send me your bet of the game to track all season long if you can beat me in the bet of the game or the money ball of the game you will win a special prize at the end of the season so i'll tweet out the bet of the game uh later on today because there's no line right now from our good friends over at betonline.ag use locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit but the money ball bet of the game is that lou dort will lead this team in three pointers made that'll do it for today's episode of locked on thunder the only daily podcast about the oklahoma city thunder We're going to be back tomorrow to recap this game against the Phoenix Suns. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Be good and be good to one another. Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.